Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Amen. And so, listen guys, we're starting a brand new series today. And the series is called Winning in Relationships, Winning in Relationships, as opposed to losing. And this is the truth. If we were going to be honest, most of us would come to a position and a place of realizing that we've lost in some relationships, meaning that we've gotten some things wrong and relationships that should have been maybe lifelong relationships are no longer Um, you know, active and present because of maybe even some of our wrongdoing, or maybe it was on the wrongdoing of the other person. And so we're talking about winning in relationships. And I want you to know this, that probably through movies, maybe through, maybe through friendships, or maybe you've even had family members that have incredible relationships, whether it be friendships, or maybe they belong to a great church, or maybe their marriage is just like, wow, I would just, you know, I'd really love to have a marriage like, like what so-and-so has. And so we have people that are tremendous examples, and they show us the kind of relationships that we desire. I want us to also recognize that relationships are oftentimes defined more by pop culture than the church. I think it's sad that whenever people are wanting to learn about relationships that God isn't necessarily the first place that they look. They look at, at, you know, maybe their favorite actor or their favorite actress, or they look at, you know, the latest bestseller that has been written, you know, by a secular um, writer. And so oftentimes the church is not their, you know, their go-to. And why is that? I think the reason why that is, let's just be honest. Can we be honest this morning? I think the reason why that is is because oftentimes there's not a large difference whenever it comes to relationships in the church than outside of the church. And so we're not not really, you know, we've really missed the mark on showing people how how to do relationships properly. I mean, we've got... We've got many Christians that have failed. I mean, you can be blood-bought, born again, spirit-filled, but yet die lonely. You can have a pastor that, that speaks to a lot of people on a Sunday morning and, and, um, and, and, and actually reaches the nations, you know, uses the gift in a dynamic fashion, but yet, but yet has no friends. Like we've gotten this area of relationship wrong and there's a reason why we've gotten it wrong. And all I'm saying is, is that God is a relational God and let's just, make the, let's just make the agreement right now collectively that we, whatever it takes, are gonna get better in the area of relationship. Can we just do that right now? Can we make that decision just right now this morning that that's what's gonna happen? We're gonna do it better. So the title of my message today is called Before Another. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. It will make sense here shortly, but the title is Before Another. And today, we're, we're not going to go deep into any area, but I've got some real just, just gems 
that you can pull out of this simple message today. We're going to lay the foundation for where it is that we're going to go. But I want to start by asking a question. How many of you have goals in the area of relationship? Like you just want some better friends. You want to do friendships better. You want a stronger marriage. How many of you, you know what I mean? You have goals that, that you're like, listen, I would love to have more unity in my family. You know, when we get together and for family events, maybe it's not the most joyous time. Maybe, maybe it's one of those things that, you know, everybody just kind of is just kind of discouraged and, and walks away upset or, or, or mad. But, uh, but we have to have some goals in the area of relationship. And the definition of a goal is this, the result or achievement towards which an effort is directed. The result or achievement in which an effort is directed. And if we're gonna win in relationships, then we have to understand what the definition of winning is. Winning is this, accomplishing an aim or a purpose. Accomplishing an aim or a purpose. And so you can just boil this down to win in relationships, we have to have proper aim. But the problem is, is that, that sometimes in life our aim is off. And I just want to say this just real quick, just as a side note. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I know I'm going to just right now. So grace and mercy and love. Grace and mercy and love. Let's just say it together. Grace and mercy and love. You're going to get offended just real quick. This is my personal opinion. You got to deal with me in grace and mercy and love. If you're a big proponent and you're raising your children today, to believe in the participation trophy? My personal opinion, not Bible. My personal encouragement is stop that nonsense. I honestly believe, this is my opinion. This is, this is, this is my opinion, but I honestly believe that a lot of our world situation that we find ourselves in where we're scratching our heads saying, how in the world did we get here? Is because of foolish things like the participation trophy. When we teach our children, and listen, there are great lessons to learn by losing. Like you get better by saying, you know what? Hey, Dustus, I lost. What did we do wrong so we can focus on what we did wrong so that maybe the next time we go out, you know what I'm saying, we can win. But I'm telling you, when you tell your kids that it doesn't matter who wins or loses, you are setting them up for a tremendous failure because this world, it matters who wins. And there are winners and there are losers. And so, anyway, I feel better now. <laughs> and once again, if you're offended by that, you know, you believe in the participation trophy, grace, love, and mercy. That's all. <laughs> just grace, love, and mercy. Maybe I'm just not there yet. Pray for me. Um, but, uh, but oftentimes our aim is off. We, we don't have proper aim. You know, we, we say things like when we're courting, well, I think, I think he's the one, like he could be the one. And it's interesting being a pastor because we can ask the questions that a lot of people don't ask, like, well, how long have you known him? Well, three weeks. I'm like, okay, all right. Maybe give it a little bit a little bit more time, but he said he loves me. Sweetheart, let me tell you something. He doesn't love you. He might like the idea of things about you, but it's very possible, highly likely, that he is not in love with you. And so, and so our aim is off. 
You know, she might be a good roommate. He might be a good business partner. Well, what do you know about his character? You're going into business with him. Come on, does he have integrity? Is he honest? You know what I mean? Are his yeses yeses and his noes noes? Well, well, I think so. Well, you might want to consider those things, you know what I mean, a little more. You see, the problem is, is we don't take aim. We take what's easy. We are so desiring something that at the, at the first light of something potentially being good, and not everything that presents itself is good, or it presents itself as good is good, and so we jump headlong into these relationships, come on, and we find ourselves in a cycle where we're saying, man, there's just no more good men, there's just no more good women. Yeah, there are, but you are so hungry to be in relationship that you're going to take anything that, 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 that has, you know, a, a, a possibility and you're going to dive headlong into that and it's going to end up in the same way that the, the 10 or 12 other relationships that you thought were the one were going to be. And so anytime that we take what is easy, it never leads to victory. When things come easy, it never leads to victory. You know what it comes you know what comes out of the easy road are broken relationships broken people brokenness comes out of what is easy and so oftentimes our aim is off another thing that I want to talk to you about briefly is that a moving target is harder to hit than a stationary one now listen I know we have a lot of law enforcement, we've got a lot of military people, we've got a lot of hunters, any hunters in the house, all right? So a stationary target is easier to hit than a moving target is. But even in your military training, like you have been taught how to lead the target to get on target. But there's a few things that you have to consider. You gotta consider the distance that you are from what it is that you're trying to shoot. You have to consider what it is that you're shooting. A bow and arrow is going to be different than a rifle is. You've got you've to take into consideration the speed at which whatever is moving, you've got to consider the speed in which they're traveling. And then all of the sudden, you may get all of those things correct, but what happens if that thing that was moving suddenly stops? Or what happens when that thing that was moving, uh, you know what I mean, at the last minute, it changes course and direction. You're gonna be unsuccessful. And so listen, we, we have to realize that it's easier to hit a target that is stationary than one is moving. And I want you to recognize this, that culture is constantly moving. The way that we used to define marriage a decade ago is defined differently today. Why? Because culture is constantly moving. I remember this um, when I was about 10 years old maybe. I remember, I remember taking a knife I would, not I would not recommend this today. But I remember at 10 years old taking a knife and making a serious cut on my hand. Not like stitches, but, but not a poke just so it bleeds a little bit. But I remember making a serious cut on my hand and then handing that same knife 
to my brother, my, not, my, not, not my brother, but my friend that was closer to me than, 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 than a brother. And he took that same knife. Once again, don't recommend doing this. I got some medical doctors in the house that are getting nervous. And, um, and, and him taking that same knife and cutting his hand, and then we grab hands like this, and actually even took it a step further. We probably saw it on some TV show, but took a bandana and wrapped the bandana around our wrists for like five minutes so that my blood could get into his body and his blood could get into my body. This was called blood brothers. Some of y'all had done some of the, the same things. And we're not teaching the younger people to do this, especially today. But we did it. And what we were saying is, is that, listen, man, what we have here is special. And you can count on me no matter what happens. And so today we have marriages that are failing just because I have fallen out of love. Like you can fall into love, you can just as easily fall out of love. And we have friendships that, you know what I mean? We're saying all the right things, man. You can count on me. But when it's advantageous for them to throw you, even your best friend, you being their best friend under the bus, but there's something to be gained by it, we see it happening time and time and time again. You see, there, there, there used to be steeper definitions, more commitment to the relationships than what we see today. You see, the only thing that is unchanging is the word of God. And so regardless of what culture is doing, we have to be a people, especially in this day. And the problem is, I'm just gonna, I'm getting in your business today. I'm at your, I'm at your gate right now, not on your porch, not in your living room, but I'm at your gate right now. But we have churches that are filled with people that do not know what the word of God says. And, and their relationship with God is oftentimes based and built upon what it is that they hear on a Sunday morning or in a small group. And I'm just telling you, like it or not, we have to be a people that return back to the basics. And one of the basics is for you to know what God's word says, for you to discern what the spirit of the Lord is saying, because you have studied it and you walk with him and you're filled by his spirit and there's confirmation in all three. Amen. Got seven of you. The rest of you. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking to you. The rest of you, I'm talking to you. I know that I'm just at your gate. I'm at your gate. I love you, and the reason why I love you, or the reason why I'm sharing this, is because I do love you, and you're going to need the Word of God, like how I say it or not, you're going to need the Word of God in your future. So get it in you today. Prepare yourself and get it in you today. Isaiah 40 and verse 8. The grass will wither and the flower will fade, but my word stands forever. Matthew chapter 24 and 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Isaiah 520, which we see this at play today in our lives right now. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. This is the very day that we live in. 
what we used to have no problem saying was evil, now there's confusion and people are like, is it really evil or is it good? No, it is evil and good is good. Those people put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter and sweet before, uh, bitter for sweet and sweet before bitter. See, a lot of people realize and know that it is wrong for you. Most people maybe don't know this, but if you don't know, listen to me. It's wrong for you to be in a sexual relationship and not be married to the person that, that, that you're having that sexual relationship with you. And guess what? It wasn't very long ago that people were actually taught by their parents and, oh, by the way, taught in schools that abstinence is the best policy. Save yourself until, until marriage. How far have we come? We've come so far that, that there is a small fraction of people at the age of 18 that honestly could say, I've never had a sexual relationship with another man or another woman. I'm saving myself for marriage. It's a small fraction. It's almost like a diamond in the rough. Really? You're a virgin? Yes, I am. And guess what? I'm not speaking from a standpoint of getting this right, but it is still the very true word of God. And so I think that whenever we meet people and we realize and we come in contact with people that are saving themselves, how many of you know that the church needs to celebrate that and not keep it hush-hush? Honestly, I would like to identify the one, two, or three, or five, or ten, or whatever that's like in this church that, that their body is at a place where their desire is there, but they have refrained, you know what I mean, from entering into that. Bring them up here. They probably wouldn't like it, but I think it would be cool. We could parade them. You know what I'm saying? Give them money and just whatever. Just throw flowers on them and just, and just celebrate the fact that they, they're not they're not, they're not uh, you know, falling into what culture you know, says that they should be doing. And so another thing is it's crazy how much relationship advice is out there. If you buy your books at Walmart, you could go to Walmart and you could find 30% of the books would probably have something to do with the relationship. Barnes and Noble, probably the same. 30% would have to do with, with relationships. We've got people like Kim and Kanye that we can follow and, and learn about, you know what I mean, learn about relate. What's amazing to me, what's amazing to me is how much information and how many experts there are out there that know so much about the topic of relationships, but yet when you evaluate how we're doing, I would say we're probably at a D or a D minus. So we've got everybody that is an expert, even, okay, now I'm getting, I'm getting on your front porch here, okay? I'm, I've moved from the gate to the front porch. I'm getting in your business, grace, mercy, love. I'm looking to offend some people today, not really. 
But God's word is, is, is always going to do that when it's spoken in truth. I'm sharing it not to hurt you, but because I love you. It blows me away how you'll have somebody on social media, you know, post something about relationships. And it sounds wonderful. And it's like, wow, this person, if you didn't know any better, this person's an expert in this area of relationship. But the truth is, is you do know better because last week... The same person was saying, there's no good men, there's no good women out there. You know what I'm saying? I'm called to be celibate and alone for the rest of my life. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, how in the world did you become such an expert in a period of six days from your last post till now? The thing is, is we have this incredible head knowledge. We know what to say because we're looking for affirmation. We're looking for somebody to like us. We're looking for a relationship, honestly, and all of the wrong things. And so we'll say anything, but everybody knows that you don't know what you're talking about because of the last several posts that you've just put out there. How about this? Keep that stuff off of Facebook, off of Instagram, until you get a proper definition of what it is that God's word says and you allow the Holy Spirit in and through the work of the Bible, the word in your life to get some things figured out so that you're not acting one way which makes you seem spiritually bipolar one way a second and someplace completely different the next second. This is the problem and the reason why people are not looking to the church to say, wow, they got something figured out. Because it doesn't take a genius to realize you ain't got nothing figured out. And the reason is, is because we don't even have the word of God in us. How are we supposed to know? We're listening to something else that somebody else is speaking and teaching. Woo! I need, I, can I get a, just a tea? I'm going to sleep good this afternoon. <laughs> Genesis is the first time that we see relationships. In fact, I will say this, that even before God created anything, there was relation. We're not going to talk about this, but there was relationship between, there was perfect unity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So relationship has been important. It's been around since the beginning, and it's been important to God since the beginning. But studying Genesis, we come across a, a scripture that's super interesting, and many of you will pick right up on this, but it's the first time that God says that something is not good. Something is not good. So in Genesis 1-3, he creates the light, and he says, it is good. In Genesis 1.10, he creates the water and the land, and he steps back and he says, ooh, that's, that's good. Genesis uh, verse 11, it says, after he creates the vegetation, man, it's all good. Verse 18, he creates the night and separates it from the day, and he says, it is good. Verse 20, he creates the sea creatures, he creates the birds of the air and the animals, and he says, it's all good. And then you go to verse 18 uh, in chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. The Bible says that he created man 
and he stepped back and he was watching, man, honestly, he wasn't. This, this is all for your benefit and my benefit because when God creates something, he doesn't make mistakes. This is written the way that it's written, not because he said, whoa, I got that wrong. It's not good for man to be alone, but he created it for yours and my benefit that we could read it and say, wow, God himself said it is not good for man to be alone. So he created for him a helper, a perfect helpmate um, that, that is created just right for him. That's in verse 18. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is just right for him. And so all of these six days, you've got goodness and you've got bliss and you've got You've got everything is good. And then all of a sudden he creates man alone and, and there's, he spends some time with man. There's some things that he's showing man. And then he realizes that it's not, I mean, he didn't realize it, but it goes that, that it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates that perfect helpmate. So number one, you're taking notes, write this down. God is for relationship, super deep, I know. But I need you to know that God is for relationship. He's for relationship with him first and then with others, like you having relationship with others uh, secondarily. So all of the introverts hate whenever we talk about this. I've actually had people come up to me. And they say, man, I just love the church, but I absolutely despise Whenever you say, okay, guys, let's stand up, give each other a high five or a side hug. And I just, I just cringe at that. Like, I don't want anybody to come. I don't want anybody to come up to me. I don't want anybody to shake my hand. I just, I, I sit in the back corner, the back corners, the back corners. <laughs> I sit in, the, I sit in the back all the way up at the very, you're in a safe place, my brother, up there. I sit all the way in the back corner. Hopefully nobody will just turn around and come. They come after the worship has started and they leave before the last amen is said so that they don't have to. It's like, I just want to learn from God and I want to grow in God, but I don't like people. Let me just tell you this, that your original design was not you were not created with that in mind. What's happened, let me identify what's happened. Somebody has hurt you along the way, maybe even hurt you when you were just a child, took advantage of you, and because of that wound, never being able to heal properly, you have lived your life keeping people at an arm's distance. And I'm just telling you this, that's, that's not God's original design for you. And so the only way that because you're going to get hurt by people and you're going to get hurt in, in life and situations. But the only way that that doesn't affect you is whenever you allow the, the, the healing salve of the Lord, come on, to go into those deep places and, and begin to remove those scars and those, and those wounds. I want you to know this, that the devil's native tongue is the lie. And it's a whole lot easier for you to buy into the lie when you're alone. But when you live life with other people and you say something foolish, and if they're a Christian and a believer and they love you, they're going to say, come on, man, what are you talking about? 
You know, you, you start saying, because the devil's in your ear, I'm never going to be able to accomplish that. I could never do something like that. If you've got the right person like a, like a Steve Lada and you start speaking those things, he's going to step back and say, what are you talking about? Do you realize that you're the head and not the tail? That you're from above and not beneath? Do you know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that, that raised? And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, right? If I'm for you, everybody else should be for you. And, and then all of a sudden, man, you're just like, yeah, man, what was I? You're walking a little bit taller and you're, and, 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 and you're just a little bit more confident in the promises of God. And so the devil is a liar. He's really good at it. And oftentimes when we don't have, you know what I mean? They call it ruminating. Whenever you begin to be left unto yourself, your thoughts typically are going to be more negative. I know a lot about this. Your thoughts are going to take you to darker places than what reality really is. And so you have to have some outside influences in your life. And this is where relationship comes in, the proper relationship. I want you to know if you came in here today thinking that you're never going to have the marriage that you desired, that's a lie. You can have the marriage. Even if the last five marriages that you've had have failed you or you've failed them, I'm telling you that this next marriage, if you'll listen to what it is that I'm saying and the word of the Lord, you can enter it in this and have a proper marriage, one that you can be proud of and, and one that will be fulfilling and be everything. that. And if you're in the middle of a marriage and you're on your way out or she's on your way out, I'm telling you in an instant that can turn around. It can turn around. And so same thing with church, friends, and all that stuff. So stop to tolerating relationships that are bad for you. If you're in a relationship where you're constantly worried about him leaving you, let me give you some advice. Leave him. And I'm not talking if you're married, right? I'm not saying if you're married. I got I to gotta clarify. The pastor said, I'm just leaving. <laughs> you tell me you're leaving me one more time, I'm out of here. We believe for better for you than that. But uh, you can always tell if a relationship is right for you by answering the question, is this relationship helping me? Is it helping me or hurting me? And if it's constantly stripping you and, and, and stealing from you, then, then get out of it. And so Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and, and, and you don't have this here but, but uh, up on the screen, but it says this, that two are better than one. And that is true for proper relationships, and it's also true for terrible relationships. Like you being long, you know, hooked up with the wrong person, like it's not just going to be bad like if you were alone. It's going to be really bad because now there's two of you. So number two is this. God's goal is for relationship on purpose. God's goal is for relationship on, with a purpose. And so relationships with an unknown purpose, I will call that the devil's playground. It opens the door for the devil, come on, to, to take you places that you don't belong. And so I'm closing with this. Are you ready for the close? Gary, he said, amen, first service. He's back here again. I said, you don't have to get excited about me closing. His, you know, so I was expecting that again, my friend. But uh, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at some scripture that's easily looked over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this rather quickly. But I'm telling you, you want to pick up some nuggets, lean in. Okay? Lean in here. So 
I believe wholeheartedly that God has designed an order for successful relationships. If you want a relationship that's not successful, then don't follow the order that he's created. But if you want a successful relationship, follow his ingredients. So we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 2. Go ahead and turn there now. If you've got your Bibles or you can look at it on the screen, we're going to take a look at verse 8 and 9, and then we're going to skip forward to verse 18 uh, I'm sorry, 15 through 18. So 8 and 9, and then 15 through 18. All right, Genesis 2.8. Lean in. Don't check out on me yet. I'm going to have you out of here in short time. The Bible says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. Somebody say, placed the man. In fact, if you've got your Bible, it would be good for you to underline in your Bible placed the man. Verse 9 is this. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and, and that produced delicious fruit. I believe that there were two types of trees, some just for beauty and then others that produced incredible fruit. It goes on to say, in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we're going to skip down to verse 15, and I'm going to give you the reason as to why these things were done. Verse 15 says, the Lord God placed the man, go ahead and underline in your Bible, placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. I want you to underline tend and watch over it. So there was a purpose. Verse 16, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Verse 17, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you shall surely die. Verse 18, I've already shared verse 18 with you, but now I gave you the, the information on the front end leading up to 18. Verse 18 says this, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the title of the message is before another, before another, before another what? Before another person, God had spent time with Adam to get five things in order that he needed to establish with the man before he brought another person, which was Eve, into relationship with him. We're going to take a look at these five things. You would be, you would, you would do yourself justice by paying close attention to these five areas. The first thing that God did with Adam is he gave him a position, or you could say he gave him a place. He positioned him. The Bible says this, in verse 8, God placed the man in Eden. And guess what? Adam had nothing to do with, with which the place that he was placed. He didn't say, God, you know, listen, I feel like you're going to place me or position me someplace. And I'd really like it to be filled with all kinds of trees and some really nice fruit-bearing trees. It would be awesome if there was a stream, you know what I mean, that ran through it. God did not... He did not consult Adam when he positioned him. He said, listen, this is my plan for you. I'm going to place you here. 
And it is amazing to me how many people fight the place in which God has positioned them. It's crazy. In this area, you don't have to live here very long, and you start talking to some of the young people. This is what you hear. Man, I can't wait until I graduate. I can't wait until I'm 18. Why is that? Because, man, I am moving out of Rupert. I am never going to move back to the Burley, the Minicasha area. We'll see you later, Minicasha. It was fine knowing you. I'll never go back there. And then guess what? They move, and they oftentimes get chewed up by some of the places, the paradise places that they move to. And then they start to develop an appreciation for how wonderful this place is. And then guess what? They end up meeting somebody. And about the time, about the time that they start having children or at least thinking about having children, they're thinking, man, I don't wanna, I don't wanna raise kids in San Francisco in this, this, this crazy area. I don't wanna raise my, I don't wanna raise my kids here. I'm going back to Rupert, Idaho. Come on, where, where there's some sanity left in the, in the world. Anyway, if you don't know it, I love this place. I call this the promised land. That's exactly right. Not taken away from any other place, but I think it's interesting that all the time we're fighting against the place that God has placed us. You know what I mean? I moved here from, you know, let's say Florida. And, 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 and while I'm happy to be out of, out of Florida and, and I, I'm supposed to be in Idaho, but man, I'm telling you what, it's so hard to find a church. I cannot find a church like the church that I had back in Florida, man. They do funky things with their lights here. And that pastor's always yelling. I can't even understand if he's like mad or if he's not mad. Like I can't, I can't get a good read on him. People hug people. We don't hug that much in Florida or California. Everybody wants to hug me. I got, I need my personal space. Don't touch me. You know what I mean? You can only look for me like, look at me for like three seconds at a time. And so, so you're positioned in a in a place in a church where you're just like man I wish I had my old church but what you don't realize is God's graduated you even though it's uncomfortable like we learn the things that are needed to learn the most through the hardships I remember this listen there was a guy by the name of Jim Stockberger many of you guys know him he was a part of this church for a long time he used to run the Idaho Youth Ranch out here, you know, uh, uh, north of north of town. It's since closed down, but but anyway, he 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 said, Pastor, in very very like you know, just business. The pastor, this is Jim Jim Stockberger, and I need to I need to have a meeting with you. I said, oh, That's cool, yeah. He said, Well, I'm I'm looking to bring you know my my youth ranch kids to to Grace Church, and I just need to find out some stuff about what you guys. I was like, That's fine, that's cool. Let's let's have lunch. So we went to the Wayside Cafe years ago, and he sits down. He's like, What's your doctrinal beliefs and and this and that? And I see that you know, kind of seems like you guys got a Pentecostal background. What do you think about this? And I'm like, Yeah, 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 all that's true. And just answered his questions and and went through everything. He said, Well, listen, you know, I can't tell you. I'm going to stay for very long, but I'm going to come check you guys. I'm going to give you guys a test run. And next thing you know, Jim Stockberger, he's playing the bass for us. And, 
and every single time, like he would, he would take advantage of the opportunity to say, now, listen, I'm not like you Pentecostals, but you know what I mean? This is kind of my, and, and, and the next thing you know, like five years, he's, he's a part of our church and he sends me a text out of the blue. They had gone back home and the, and the church that he was raised in, they went back to visit and his text read something like this. He said, Pastor Travis, I want you to know that I think I'm more Pentecostal than I ever thought I was because I came back to the church that I was raised in and this is the most boring church I've ever been in in the entirety of my life. So I said, welcome, my friend. You know what I'm saying? Welcome, my friend. But we fight against the position. We're afraid to take people to our families because we're embarrassed of, of who we belong to. And I'm just saying the better you can get connected to, come on, what God has designed and where he's placed you and positioned you, the better off you're going to be. Number two, he has positioned you. He's given you a place because there's a purpose that needs to be done in that place that only you can do. Genesis 2 and 15 says this, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden. Why? Because he had a job to do, to tend and watch over it. See, you're fighting against the, the place, and when you're, when you're fighting against the place, you're going to miss the reason that you're there because you're discontent. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like you're going to miss the purpose. You're trying to find purpose in the place, and you're all, always trying to find purpose in the person. And God did two things. He placed the man before he gave him a person, and he gave him purpose before he gave him a person. And how often are we trying to find purpose in both of those things? We're trying to find identity in those things, in a person and a place. And I'm just saying that it ought not be that way. There's a job for you to do where he has positioned you. There's a job for you to do where he's positioned you. Number three is provision. So when God places you, he placed you in that place because there's a purpose that needs to be accomplished. And when you're in the place that God has positioned you, doing the very thing that God has called you to do, which is purpose, he provides for every need. The Bible says in verse 9, Genesis 2 verse 9, God made all sorts of trees, beautiful and fruit, produ fruit producing. And he said, listen, you can, eat, you can eat as much as you want. It was provision. The problem is, is we're always trying to get God to provide you know what I mean? For our vision and not his vision. Now listen, I've been at your gate. I've walked up to your porch. I've messed with you there. Now I'm in your front living room. And your front living room is this. You listen to worship song. Let's just say oceans. Everybody loves. I just love that song. Oceans just plays. And, and I just, man, it's just like the spirit of God just begins to speak to me. And I just feel so close. And I was listening to oceans the other day. And something came over me like I have no idea how it's going to happen. But God is calling me to uproot and move. Oh, yeah, brother. Where are you going to? I have no idea 
idea, but I'm just going to move and the Lord is going to lead me. All of a sudden you leave every single thing that is stable, where you're growing, where you're thriving. You launch out because you felt an emotion, a feeling when oceans was playing. And I love oceans just as much as the other guy loves oceans. But when you move outside of God's calling and directing, now we're fighting. We're fighting. We're like, God, I thought you called me out here. Why is it that I'm struggling at every end? Why is it that you're not blessing? Now you're having to work three jobs to provide for you. And, and, and all you're doing is working. You ain't got no purpose. You ain't got no place. You're wandering. You don't know why you're there. And you're always asking God, why aren't you providing? Because God only supplies the provision for his vision. He's not going to supply the vision for your vision. And so many times I hear things like, man, pastor, I'm moving. Where are you moving? I'm moving to Idaho Falls. What are you going to do? Not just Idaho. This is just an example. (laughs) What are you going to do in Idaho Falls? Well, I met somebody. How did you meet him? I met him online. And and he loves me. And I'm moving. We're going to get married. And then the next thing you know, they're back from Idaho Falls in six months. I'm like, man, I thought you moved. I did. I I thought you were going to get married. I did. Oh, you're back here. It didn't work. It it didn't work. So, So I'm just saying, come on, guys. Come on, there is a proper plan to follow whenever it comes to relationships. And I know we're hitting hard on marriage, but this is also true. Come on, for your friends. This is also true for every every relationship. God only backs his own, and you need to know that. And if you want to see what an example of that looks like, I'm not going to spend time because I ain't got time, but I'd never pastored a church before. I was a youth pastor for six, seven years. God called me to, to, to Rupert to hear. The church started growing, doing great things. I would love to tell you it was because of all the wonderful experience I had. It, it had nothing to do with that. The hand of God was on, on this church and is on this church. And if we got anything right, and I can't even take credit for that because it's the Holy Spirit, we, if we got anything right, we just learned to hear and obey. And so I've never ever heard of this happening before. We were able to build the lobby and got it paid off two months after. It was great having the bank call me all the time. Hey, you need some money? No, I don't need no money. People are just giving the money as we're building. And so we finished it. Two months, we took out a small, small loan, maybe 20000 Two months, it was paid off. And then we started building this here. And within a year, year and a half, I can't remember the exact time, but a year, year and a half to this being complete, this is 10,000 square feet. It's a multi-million dollar facility. We didn't pay that because of the favor of God. But I'm telling you that within a year, year and a half, we went out here and we burnt the note to this. This church is debt free. And I'm telling you, it's not because of the great wisdom that people have or I have in leading this church. It's because God provides for his vision. We were supposed to build. He says, listen, don't worry about it. I know you're kind of stressed out about it a little bit, you know, wondering how all this is going to is going to come to pass. But uh, but I've got it taken care of. And so that's what it looks like. Number four is this identity. Genesis 2, 8. God placed the man that he made 
How did he make the man? We got to go back to Genesis 1:26. He said, let us make man to be like who? To be, to be like Kim and Kanye? To be like the Bishop T.D. Jakes? To be like Hillsong United? No, let us make man to be like us. I want you to know this, that God created you to be you. But in pursuit of being loved and accepted, we see people that we admire and we see characteristics that people have. And we're like, listen, I'm just going to I'm just going to act like them. I'm going to I'm going to talk like them. There's actually a diagnosis. It's called the chameleon effect. It's whenever you take on the characteristics and the speech patterns and and whatnot that other people have and not to go into this, but uh, but. Javi, just real quick, what was your story? Just real quick, just give, give it in 30 seconds. Come up here just real quick, on the floor. Don't even climb up here, just on the floor. This is so good. It was funny, I was telling uh, our team, I think it was two weeks ago when I spoke, uh, the first time Pastor Travis asked me if I would speak, it was at a college group, Identity One Nine, and he asked me if I would if I would speak, and I was like, oh yeah, but these guys, like every time I would go to the college group, I had to take a thesaurus with me because I didn't understand what they were saying. And so I start putting this message together, and I start like looking up words, and I'm like using a thesaurus. Honestly, I'm like making my simple words become like you know their language so they they can understand me. So anyway, I was trying to be something that I was not, and I met with Travis the the day before I was supposed to speak, and I told him, oh, this is what I was going to speak to the college group about. He's like, no, you can't talk to them about that. And I was like, what? He's like, no, 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 that's not, that's like just past them or whatever. I'm like, okay. So I go home, I have to come up with another message, and I don't know what to, what to do, and I stressed out, so I went to bed. And I had a dream, and God showed me a dream, you know, that he couldn't use me by being something I was not, you know. And so I remember I, I put a message together, and it was, uh, I remember, like, getting shoe polish and getting some clothes, and I ruined it outside and put oil on them and ripped them all up and everything. I got all dressed, and then I put a suit over it, and then I went and preached to them about God could only use you if you, the way that he created you to be. The way that I speak, my prayer always when I speak to you guys, I always, Lord, I need your help. You know, let my words, my accent, because I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I have a little bit of an accent. Um, <clears throat> and so I always say, Lord, I need your help. Let my words just penetrate the hearts of your children and use me the way that I am with my broken language and whatever. But my passion and, and the love that God has put for, in me to to really just you, you know be used by him is what is what what the way that he gives so basically it was just you know letting God use you for who you are not trying to be something else so, so good I appreciate that that is so good and I, I remember that he gave me this and I'm like no <laughs> I was like, you can't, you can't do that. But I remember also his message was fire and it just spoke to because he was, he was himself. What does the Bible say? Let us make man in our image to be like us. See, if, if your identity is defined by anything else, but God, you're going to have a misunderstanding of who you really are. And so we, but we, and guess what? Identity was established before the person. 
before another. And so, so we try to find who we are in another. Boy, if I could just marry her. Boy, if I could just, just, just hang out with this group of people that seem like they got their, their act together. Boy, if I, could just, if I could just have a house on the river, then I'm really going to be somebody, you know what I mean, that people can look up to. No, how about you just be who God has called you to be? So uh, number five, and this is the last one, and I'm closing again. Number five, boundaries, boundaries. Second, or, uh, 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 Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, freely eat of every tree, but not the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. So why would, you know, some people are like, well, man, if God really loved me and he was such a good God, why would there be any limitations at all? Why wouldn't he just say, you just go ahead and, and just eat, eat of every tree? You know what I mean? Everything is good. You just go ahead. And I'm just telling you this, my friend, the boundaries and limitations are for your safety because he loves you. You think about this. I've got... I've got uh, three kids. My daughter has, has given my wife and I two grandbabies. One of them's five and one of them is 10 months old. You know what they have? They've got, they've got a basement. You know what they have uh, at the top of their basement? At the top of the staircase, they've got a gate that goes across, across those, those stairs. Why? Because I've got a 10 month old that it would be tragic if they just got, so there's limitations so that the child doesn't get hurt. This is why we don't let our children just kinda, you know what I mean? We, we put boundaries like, listen, you can play in the front yard, but I don't even want you to touch the sidewalk. Why? Because the sidewalk is the boundary be between what's safe and the road, which is unsafe. You know, Stetson, he's just like his dad. He, his dad's a, a farmer and his dad takes stuff apart and puts it back together and it actually works. Like, I don't know what that's like. I put, I break stuff down and it never works ever, ever again. But Stetson, my, my five-year-old grandson, is just like his dad. He loves looking at stuff and taking stuff apart. And, and he's asking his dad, he's like, dad, can I go to the shop with you today? And dad will oftentimes say yes, if it's in the evening, but during the middle of the day, there's a lot of traffic. A lot of people use that shop. A lot of big equipment, tractors coming in and out, people using heavy wrenches and, and, and blowing stuff off and things like that. And so when Stetson says, hey, listen, dad, can I go to the shop with you today? And his dad says to him this, no, today's not, not good. He's like, why can't I go? Because it's not safe. There's too much going on. There's limitations. Why? Because the father loves the son. The father loves the son. So there's boundaries for your purity. There's, there's accountability. There's ways that we're called to act. And it's all biblical. And it's all for your good. Regardless of what culture says. Come on, we got to return. And it's interesting that these boundaries have been put in place before Adam shared his life with another. He wanted to get these boundaries established because God knows this, Tony, that if you don't have boundaries and you get linked up with somebody else that doesn't have boundaries, and I know you're married, I'm just using you because you're there, but you get linked up with somebody else that doesn't have boundaries, then guess what? You will create your boundaries and they're not gonna be very solid. You just kinda whatever, whatever, and that's what, that's what happens. And so this is why it's so important that you receive who you are 
from the Lord, that you accept the place that he has positioned you, that you realize that there's a purpose for the placement, that you realize that God has created you to be who you are before you share your life with another. And to understand and to establish the limitations that he puts on you is not because he's trying to be mean to you, but he wants the best for you so that whenever that person comes into your life and they too have lived their life with some boundaries, come on, it's gonna work and it's not gonna be a six month trip to Idaho Falls where you return back and say, whoop, there goes another one. There goes another one. And I'm telling you, that you can make adjustments in the relationships that you're in right now. These things can be established in route. I promise you, they can. But to the single people, like this is super important for you. Don't slide on your boundaries. You know why? Because there's something worse than being single. That's being married to the wrong person. I, I, I was going through Facebook and that's where we get all of our powerful scriptures from our experts. But I thought that this was such a profound statement. It said this, the biggest prison in the world is being stuck in a house where there's no peace. And the whole idea was be careful who you marry, be careful who you, they said hook up with or something too, but we're talking about marriage here. You understand what I'm saying? And then Dr. Miles Monroe, he would say this all the time. When you don't stand up for anything, you fall for everything. And I'm just telling you that God has better for you. And he, he is for relationships and he's for great relationships. How about we let the Bible, God's word, show us how we can, how we can work out those great relationships in life on every level. Amen. The best relationship, amen. The best relationship that you can have is with Jesus. And I'm telling you that none of the other relationships will be worth a darn and you can't even follow the ingredients that I've given you today without a relationship with him. It's interesting, when I went through this malaria thing, I was, I was literally at the, at the threshold of, of transitioning, of dying. And there were three things, and I didn't put this together until putting the final touches on this, messages, on this message, but the only thing that was important to me were three areas. Number one, my relationship with God. Number two, my family, starting with my wife. My wife absolutely in that second, and then my children and my grandchildren. And then what I would call my connections, which is all of you and, and, and the other friends that I have. But when I'm putting this, the final touches on this, I'm reminded that that's the very thing that God showed me when I was, when I was at that place. Like I wasn't thinking about anything else but those three things. If you don't know God, just open your heart to him and see what he will do. He wants you to surrender. If you don't know it yet, which you know it, you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. And there's one answer to sin and that is Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. You need to come to him, not through your grandma, not because your mom believes in him, but you personally need to come to him and say, I'm a sinner, Jesus, will you please forgive me? I give my life to you. And then, my friend, you see what it is that the Lord will do. 
he, he, you will become a different person and the person that you become um, is going to be more beautiful than anything that you could be and it's going to be real and it's going to be true I love you very much church and I God bless you today in Jesus name that's it for today's teaching hey here's an idea share today's message with a friend or family member if you're listening from outside our fellowship we'd love to meet you visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.